Anyways, but Christy and I, about a year ago, we got to go to Israel, and one of the things I never really realized was kind of just the landmass and how it's all connected, and um, like I know it's over there, right? Obviously, it's a real place, but didn't understand the, the, the depths of it and uh, the geographical location and everything, and something I think that's really interesting is that you have the Sea of Galilee, which is where Jesus walked on water, and where um, the you know Peter and his uh, Peter and Andrew caught a bunch of fish, and all these miracles took place. The Sea of Galilee, which is not that big, it's about a mile across um, and about two or three miles long. So it isn't it isn't. I mean, it's a big pond. That's all it is. But they call it a sea. You have the Sea of Galilee that then connects to the Jordan River. And the Jordan River ends up going down into the Dead Sea. And I don't know if you know this about the Dead Sea, but it is the lowest place to earth on earth um, that, that a human can go to. It's the closest to hell that someone can go to, right? But doom. Shh. Uh, I'm just going to quit with my jokes. Yesterday, Judah was like, Dad, why do you think you're so funny? I'm like, they're dad jokes. They're not supposed to be funny to you. They're funny to me. And he's like, yeah, they're not funny. And I'm like, all right, I love you too, son. Be quiet. No, I didn't tell him that, right? But anyways, so um, what I think is interesting, though, is that you have the Sea of Galilee is technically connected to the same body of water that the uh, Dead Sea is. And in, in, in the Sea of Galilee, the, it gets all the rainwater in the Galilean region and it floods down and then it goes down the Jordan River um, and into the Jordan River, it, it then dumps into the Dead Sea. But because the Dead Sea has nowhere for the water to go, literally it just dies. There is not one living organism in the Dead Sea. That's why you can go to the Dead Sea if you've got eczema and you can just sit in there for five minutes and your skin is going to feel better because it's literally going to kill everything on your skin. It's, it's, it's really cool. That's why some of you, you go and you pay $60 for Dead Sea salt to do a facial around your face to make you look all beautiful and pretty. Um, it's because it's killing all the stuff that's on your face and, and pulling off all the junk to make it um, new. But, but what I'm getting at right here is from the start of the Dead Sea, um, and if you go about a kilometer north of that, there's this one particular area, and many theologians and, um, and, and historians believe that that is where the Israelites crossed over the Jordan River into their promised land. It's also where Jesus went to be baptized, um, at the exact same spot where Jesus went to be baptized um, by, by John, by John, who was a prophet that came right before Jesus and prophesied, prepared the way for Jesus Christ. But what I think is interesting is if you look to your left, literally a kilometer away, you've got death. And if you look to the right, it's a wellspring of life. And Jesus is the one that separates death to life. And so as we go into today's text, I want to kind of just put that out there for all of us, that Jesus is the one, the reason that separates death to life. Far too often, we try to live life for Jesus without living life with Jesus. And, and here's what I mean by that. We go to church, we go to groups, we, we go to our jobs, we go and we do whatever it is that you and I do for Jesus, but we sometimes don't do it with Jesus. 
And if there's anything that you can get this year or out of this message, Jesus wants to do life not um, for you, but with you. He wants to do life with you. And so I want you to think about your goals and your plans that you've got for 2021. How many of you guys, you have a, a food uh, goal. You want to conquer an addiction with food um, or put down sweets. And um, Dan, did you raise your hand? Dan's is like, I want to eat more food. You know, like, <laughs> I'm so glad you're on the front row. This is just going to be awesome. Um, many of us, we've got di these different goals, right? We've got these different things that we want to do. And uh, how many of you, your goal is not to make a goal for 2021 because 2020 went so bad? Yeah, a few of you guys, right? Yeah, I think that that's totally fair. I think that's totally fair. It's, I want this year to be better than last year. Touche, I get it, right? Um, whatever your goal is, whether you have a workplace goal or whether you have a goal, a spiritual goal, or whether you've got a health and fitness goal, I want to challenge you to invite Jesus into your goal. I want to challenge you to invite Jesus into the plans and the purposes that you have for yourself and watch what he can do in you more so than what um, you can do by yourself, more so than what I can do by myself. And so Paul, the Apostle Paul, he's writing to the church in Corinth. And, and look, if people are, people are like, my church is messed up. Look, the church in Corinth was messed up. They were getting drunk on communion wine. There was a bunch of incest going on. Um, there were people that were just being abusive and rude. And so all of Paul's letters, there's actually four letters that he wrote. Two of them made it into the canon of Scripture. Um, we call them 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. But all of his letters to the church in Corinth was a rebuke to them. So I'm not rebuking you guys today. I just want to throw that out there. This is not a rebuke. But, but he's doing it out of a place of love. He starts in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and, and verse 14. He says this to the Corinthians. He says, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. I, I want you to, to hear that right there. He's saying, hey, church, come here, come here. The love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ controls us. The love of Christ is the reason and the motive why we do and why we say and why I'm writing you these letters. The love of Christ. It is the death of Christ for all who believe in Christ that, that, that he absorbed their sins. It is the love of Christ. He absorbed your sins and my sins and the sins of the world. And because of that love, I want to sit here and I want to talk to you. And I just want to tell you, man, it is the love of Christ. Paul, he's showing deep empathy right now for the church in Corinth. But what tends to happen in churches and with Christians is we look at Christianity in the form or through the lens of religion instead of looking at it through the forms of relationship or through the lens of relationship. And we look at our own selves through a moralistic standard instead of looking at our own lives through a redemptive standard or a redemptive lens. And, and so here's what a moral lens will, will tell you. A moral lens is you're going to judge your morality up against somebody else's morality. A moral lens is going to tell you when you fail that you're a failure. You're not good enough. A moral lens is, is going to make you always feel condemned by your actions. 
But what a redemptive lens is, I am enough because he was enough. I am enough because of the grace of Christ. I can walk in the fullness of who God has called me, not on my own doing, but because of what Christ has done for me. Morality says you try to earn it. Grace says you come to it. Morality says you make sure you dot all the I's and cross all the T's. Grace says I've already paid the price. Just come and receive. Oh, I'm rhyming today. Uh. I was not planned out either. And so you see this morality lens that many of us, we find ourselves that we are living into, and then you see this redemptive lens. And I want to encourage all of us today to live through the lens of redemption. Christ loves you. Christ loves you. He loves you so incredibly much. But, but he continues on, and I want to kind of camp out on the next two verses um, for, for just a moment, if that's okay with you guys. I want to jump back to verses 14 and um, read through verses verse 16. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, meaning in Christ's death our sins have died. Verse 15. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who are for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we regarded Christ, we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no more. And so Paul says, it is the love of Christ that controls us. But then he flips it right here and he says, so that we may no longer live for ourselves. So we no longer may live for ourselves. I want you to just think about what it is that you're passionate about in your life. What it is that wakes you up in the morning, that makes you tick, that gets you excited, that gets you pumped up. And I want to ask you, is that aligned with the will of God? Or, or let me put it this way, is it aligned with God's redemptive plan to restore all things back to himself? Is what it is that you spend most of your energy on is the goals that you have for 2021, is the things that you invest most of your money towards, is it aligned with the things that will ultimately grow and establish his kingdom here on this earth? Because that's what God is inviting you and I into. It's much bigger than maybe the plans that we have. It's much bigger than the desires that we have. It is us entering into the story of God, his redemptive plan for all of humanity. And we are so blessed that he extended his grace upon us so that we can actually play a part. This is why I'm so excited about this partnership between City Church and Resurrection Church and us thinking and looking at this as three campuses making up one church because it's much bigger than what's taking place right here. It's much bigger than what's taking place just in Brooklyn or just in Staten Island. It is God using three separate congregations to herald his good news. Why? Because the love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ compels us. But then in verse 16, he says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to 
the flesh. So if you're looking at life through a moralistic lens, through a morality lens, you're going to judge other people's flesh. And some of you, you already have. Some of you, you've judged my flesh today. And that's okay. I don't judge you. You want to fight? No, I'm joking, right? But, I, like, we look at people regarding according to the flesh. I want you to think about this. Whenever you see someone walking down the street, or you're sitting in Starbucks before we had to wear face masks and socially distant, or you're walking in Crossgates Mall, and you're seeing all of these people, how quick are you to judge other people? I love my wife. One of the things that she loves doing is just people watching. And I get it, because I've done some people watching. Sitting at an airport, sit down at an airport, you're just watching people, you're like, wow. You'd be amazed at some of the things that you see people do. But how often do we judge other people's moralistic standards based upon our own moralistic standards? Paul's saying, I want you to look at people through the standard of grace. And maybe you're here sitting, sitting here today and you're saying, Michael, this sounds great, but um, I'm, I'm kind of messed up. I don't know if you know how messed up I am. And I'm like, man, let me tell you about the Apostle Paul. See, before the Apostle Paul became this great guy in church history and wrote all of these fantastic letters that we now call books that make up the canon of the Bible, he was by the name of Saul, and he was a modern-day terrorist. Saul... Saul, uh, Saul would literally go out and he would go from city to city to city and he would arrest Christians, he would persecute Christians, and he even stoned them as in like rocks being thrown at him to kill him in the name of God. He was doing it in the name of God. The very first martyr we see, it talks about how there was someone of high authority who was overlooking the execution of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. And we, many theologians believe that person was Saul. And Jesus even said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And so Saul, this completely messed up murdering terrorist, became the greatest apostle that this world has ever seen. He's written two-thirds of the New Testament. Right now, at millions of churches around the world, people are talking about Jesus and the Apostle Paul, and sometimes Mary. And so this is a pretty, pretty, pretty big deal. Saul's thoughts were, Saul, not Paul, Saul's thoughts were, God is going to take from me, not give to me. And many of us, if we look at our lives through a moralistic standard, our thoughts are, God is going to take from me, not give to me. And the lie that has been going on since the very beginning of time, since the garden, has been this lie that Satan himself is throwing out there to all of creation and him saying, hey, God's really not that good. Many of us, we, we've probably heard this thought in our own mind. Many of us, we've probably heard this idea in our own mind. This is why it's important whenever the Scripture says that our enemies are not flesh and blood. Our enemies are spiritual enemies. It's Satan. It's Satan. And Satan right now 
is roaring around this country and this world, and he is seeking to cause as much chaos and confusion and division more than ever before, at least in my lifetime and at least in my mom's lifetime. And so I want to I say something real quick. And I, I just need to say this, okay? So if you want to send an email, send it to me, and I'll respond, Michael at citychurchalbany.com. I'm going to forward it to Dan. I condemn all violence. And this narrative that has crept up the past couple days, is it Black Lives Matter? Is it MAGA? Is it alt-right? Is it extreme left? Antifa? I, I condemn all violence, and here's why. The Bible tells me so. And this is where I submit under the authority of Jesus Christ. I sat there, I was on my way to Brooklyn, and, and, and like, first off, I was like sitting there and I was kind of watching. I'm not going to lie, I was kind of like sucked in, like, what's going to happen? There's been so much buildup around January 6th and, and stuff. And then, um, like, I jump on a Zoom call and I get off, and the next thing I know is there's people storming the Capitol. And look, I understand that, that was a tiny, 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 tiny percentage of the um, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people that were protesting. And I'm all about protesting, especially in America. You want to protest? You want to do it peacefully? You want to lift up your banners and stuff? God bless you. It is your God-given right. I'm not about it, though, whenever I see an officer who their head is being smashed in a door, or someone who is being shot at, or someone who is mocking democracy. It's ridiculous, and I'm not going to support that as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ. And so I saw this the other day. I'm going to pull this out because I'm, I'm not this smart to pull this up, to read this. Someone, someone posted this on Instagram, and I was like, man, this is so good. Because it reminds us our enemy is not flesh and blood. If you go to the southwest desert and you catch 100 red fire ants as well as 100 large black ants and put them in a jar at first... Nothing will happen. However, if you violently shake the jar and dump them back on the ground, the ants will fight until they eventually kill one another. The thing is, the red ants think the black ants are the enemy and vice versa, when in reality, the real enemy is the person who shook the jar. This is exactly what's happening in our society today. Liberal versus conservative, black versus white, pro-mask versus anti-mask, the real question we need to be asking ourselves is who is shaking the jar anyway? And I've got the answer to that. His name is Satan, and he is seeking to destroy our land. And so it is the church's responsibility when we see someone on the left or we see someone on the right, we do not judge them based upon who they voted for. We look at them through the lens and the grace of Jesus Christ. And we go to a table and we sit there and we say, I may disagree with you, but let's talk about it. Tell me why you lean this way, or tell me why you lean that way. And we sit there and we have smart, educated conversations instead of seeing men and women, black and white, red and blue, 
being put against each other. It is time for the church to stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel unifies. The gospel brings healing. Now, I'm going to move on so I don't get, again, you can send an email to me. I'm just going to forward it to Dan. Here's, here's, here's what I'll, I, just need to make, I just need to make sure I say this correctly. A moral lens creates hurdles and obstacles for those who are far from God who are trying to come into his kingdom. A redemptive lens sees all opportunities of people to come inside. What have you done that has outdone the cross of Jesus Christ? What have you committed, what have I committed, what failure have we had that has outdone the cross of Jesus Christ? There is nothing that you can do that can outdo the cross of Jesus Christ. There is nothing that a Black Lives Matter activist can do that can outdo the cross of Jesus Christ. There is nothing that a Proud Boys can do that will outdo the cross of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it was done to conquer and destroy sin and death. However, we have to believe. And we have to allow that spiritual transformation to take place in our hearts, in our minds, and in our souls. Paul continues on. He says this in verse 17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He or she is a new creation. Therefore, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So, Michael, you're telling me that all I have to do is believe in Jesus Christ and I'm a new creation. Yes, that's it. That's what I love about Christianity. It's because it's all Jesus and his work and you just receiving. It it, kind of seems too good to be true, right? But that's really what it is. But Michael, I'm jacked up and I'm messed up mentally and I've got some stuff that I'm dealing with. Well, hey, you know what? If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. If you are literally in Christ, Christ is in you. You have accepted the blood of Jesus Christ for the salvation of your sins. You're going to confess him with your mouth. It doesn't matter. You are a new creation. But Michael, I've got so many insecurities. Yeah, so do I. But you know what? Jesus didn't give me those insecurities. Jesus gave me security. But Michael, I've got so many addictions. You know what? I understand that. I've had addictions too. But you know what? Christ made you a new creation. Therefore, you're set free. Yeah, but I've got so many struggles and I'm just angry. Well, you know what? Christ is going to give you love. You are a new creation. And every day we have an opportunity to become more and more and more and more like Christ. In every aspect of our lives. And, and this is why, like, I think it's such a big deal right now that the church actually acts like tr- Christ because the world needs to see it. In Acts chapter 2, it literally says the community was at awe. They were in awe because of the way that the church acted towards one another. I want to be that church. I want to be that church that radically loves I want to be that church that radically gives. I want to be the church that sees people the way that Jesus Christ sees them. I want to be that church that walks in the new you. 
that we're not allowing the narrative of culture to pull us down anymore or to pull us aside, but we walk in the fullness of all that God has called us to. God, let us be that. God, let our heart be transformed to where we can see your kingdom established on this earth. He continues. Can I go off notes for a minute? Is that okay? I'm just going to, look, I'm close my notes. I want to read this. And I just want to talk to us. I just want to talk to us. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. God is making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Verse 21, for our sake he made him, being Christ, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Folks, I don't know if you've woken up in 2021 yet, but the first week was not that good. And it is time for the church to rise up. It is time for the church to walk in healing power. It is time for the church to bring this message of reconciliation to the world and let people know, hey, I know a guy. I kind of joke about this. You guys know Nate Westfall, right? Nate, um, he's probably back there about to come out. He was playing bass this morning. Um, since I've known Nate, he's always said, it's like, hey, man, my car is broken. I know a guy. Okay, cool. Get me in touch. He's like, I got you. Here's the hookup. Psh. Nate, I'm working on my house. I know a guy. His whole family shows up and starts renovating our house. I kid you not, that literally happened. I'm like, what is going on? Let me just sit here and drink my Mai Tai. Like, you know, um, last night, Christy and I, we were talking. We were just like, hey, we're looking at, you know, we want to buy a house further out in the country. <clears throat> All you country folks get excited out in, you know, maybe Nassau and stuff. Maybe build a house. And he's like, I know a guy. And I'm like, Nate, you were literally in my notes for the message. But imagine if we went about our lives wherever we work in the barista field, in the teaching field, in the medical field, in the first responders field, in the service industry, wherever it may be, and we start to run into people and they've got issues and they've got problems and our response is not just to sit there and judge them according to their flesh, but our response is to sit there and say, hey, um, you know what, Dan, I know a guy. Let me, let me introduce you to this guy. Well, who do you know? Well, let's, let's grab coffee and we'll socially distance and we'll be behind plexiglass and all that stuff. But, but let me tell you about this guy. His name is Jesus and he came to reconcile you back to himself and he doesn't look at you the way that you look at you he looks at you with the righteousness of God and he wants you to walk in that fullness I just I just really believe that that's what God wants us to do 
And I really believe now more than ever we need to be a church that is ushering in and calling for the kingdom of God to invade this earth, the kingdom of God to invade the city of Albany and Rensselaer and Brooklyn, New York and Staten Island. Church, will you stand to your feet with me? We're going to ask for the kingdom of God to be ushered in to this place right now. We're going to ask for the kingdom of God to be ushered in to our city. And so church, join me in praying. Father God, we come to you right now and I just ask that you would do what only you can do. That you, as we start seven days of prayer and fasting, you would start to transform our own hearts, God. That we would not look at people according to the flesh. We would look at people through the lens of grace, through the lens of the cross, Father. And that God, we would see your transformation power in City Church, in the families in this church, but also in our community, in the streets, and in the clubs, and in the, the uh, other places, the schools and the government, Father God, that we would see heaven invade this earth right now, that we would see your spirit invade this earth, that God, we would see healing and unity again, that we would see black and white come to the same table and break bread under the banner of Jesus Christ. Father, we are asking in your powerful name for your kingdom to come, for your kingdom to come, for your kingdom to come. God, over every life in here. Father, over every person who might be far from you, that you would speak to their heart right now and you would let them know that they are loved, that they are loved by you, a sovereign God. I want to close with this and then we're going to worship. Tim Keller writes in one of his books, and I love Tim Keller because Tim Keller is like the greatest theologian that's out there outside of Matt Chandler. Don't hate. But one of the things Tim Keller says is, is as a reminder, we are so sinful that Christ had to die for our sins. But we are so loved that Christ willingly died for our sins. And if you're here today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, I want to give you that opportunity. It's a new year, and it can be a new you. And as the Apostle Paul writes, he is imploring us, be reconciled to God. All it takes is you saying yes to Jesus, and we will partner with you. We will help get you connected. We will help get you in a group. We will love you for who you are. God loves you for who you are right now, not a future you. He loves you right where you are in all of your junk, in all of your mess. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, I just want you to repeat this prayer after me. Very simple. Jesus, I give you my heart. Jesus, I give you my heart. And if, if you prayed that prayer, I just real quick want you to slip up your hand and put it right back down. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, Father. I just thank you for the hands that were raised today. And I just ask that a new you, a new life, a new life centered and rooted in Jesus Christ would form and transform their lives, God. 
Father, we just thank you for what you're going to do in 2021, that even though 2020 was hard as hell, 2021 is gonna be one of the best years ever. And we thank you that you sit on the throne, that you're gonna get the glory. And Father, again, we just ask for your kingdom to come to this earth. In Jesus' name.